wife says me, far as I be knowin', haven't time to slack around in comfort all the year. So when we get a little time before our boat gets going, we head on down to the library and this is what we hear. Come on in, look all around, there's plenty for to see. Make your own self right upon my love, the library. Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson, and today I'm talking with Alec McMurrin about music and the brain, and we will highlight some of the library materials available to learn about the science of music. The library has ukuleles available for checkout if you want to develop your own musical skills. Our opening song was written and performed by Alec and Nicole McMurrin, and we love having the music to use with our library programs. Welcome, Alec. Hi, Kari. Thank you very much. Alec and I have had lots of fun conversations about music and the brain because there's so much um, coming out in science about this, and Alec has read almost all of the books on the topic. And so I thought it would be fun if Alec gave some book reviews and also... Um, there's movies out on the topics now, too, so you can watch the movie. <laughs> well, let's start with the first book, This Is Your Brain on Music by Daniel Levitin. Yes, this was, I think, where I started on thinking about, you know, I was thinking about um, maybe my motive for making music, actually, because I tend to pick up a guitar and write a song, and, and, I, and uh, I've been doing it for a while, but it's amazing. This Is Your Brain on Music. <laughs> I mean, it, 
And uh, it's about the evolution and the neuroscience and the biology. And um, it's just fascinating. It kind of cracked me up. It, 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 I think the last chapter is called Evolution's Number One Hit. <laughs> <laughs> so that gives you an idea about just they're, deep in, they're digging into the dregs of, of the human experience 40,000 years ago. Um, and it's evolutionary psychology and they ask what is music why is there music is it just cheesecake as some people would say or is it something uh more important and then i I think it was in this this is your brain on music where where they talked about um they give an example of, of birds and their feathers and they say well is, is music necessary? Is it just cheesecake? Was it a necessary development? Um, they say, well, birds developed feathers to keep warm, and then they used them to fly. So did music precede language? Did language precede music? All those questions are, uh, you know, it depends, I guess, the answer that you get on how you ask them. So what is music? They say, well, it is... Pitch, rhythm, tempo, contour, timbo, timber, loudness, reverberation, and then all the all of these questions about what music is begets other questions like things like rhythm and tempo um, are they those are concepts of time, and so then you then then everybody has to go and ask what does how does the brain deal with time or what is the experience and what areas of the brain in particular might be um, talking to each other as the physical experience gets uh, directed in by our, by our senses. And I guess that's the thing too, that is so striking to me about music is that what we know today from science is it lights up more parts of your brain at the same time than anything else. Yes, that's that's something that they've been able to study now recently in the last 20 years, the neuroscience of the, the physiology, what actually, what parts of the brain actually start to influence each other or light up, like you say. And um, it's it, it seems to be a little bit different than other forms of artistic expression in that it does incorporate many more parts of the brain at the same time. Um, although I see in this book here where Ravel is a classical composer and he talked about his compositions as sound paintings and uh, Stevie Wonder did the same thing. He, he called his compositions sound paintings. So it's uh, one way to look at it. Yeah. How about the second book, Musicphilia? That's Oliver Sacks. Both of these guys are all over this stuff in the films and, and the books, and they, they chat with each other. And they're, Oliver is a physician, so he comes, he comes at it with just a little bit uh, different. What he's trying to, he's looking at therapy and the experience of, of people that have had trauma and that have come to him and that he has gone to in institutions that are either damaged or distressed. Musicophilia. That's a funny word. Yes. What does that mean? Well, isn't it 
somebody who has like some kind of genius in music suddenly. Oh, so he talks a lot about that, but what it, what it, what it actually means, I think is it looks like there's a little bit of debate, but somebody that is inordinately affected by it, overcome by it. Some, somebody that likes it too much. And I, so I think it's kind of a tongue in cheek sort of a, yeah. of a title for him. Um, uh, so, so the issues that he's, he deals with also the history, evolutionary music has great power. Music remains fundamental in every culture. And then uh, we listen to music with our muscles. He makes a point. Mm. And that is another th um, idea that is kind of a thread that, that moves through these materials. He says it may be especially powerful and have great therapeutic potential for patients with a variety of neurological conditions. In 1966, he observed profound effects on deeply Parkinsonian patients. And he talks about musical hallucinations. And he starts right off in the first chapter of his book, talking about the guy that was hit by lightning that you mentioned, woke up a musical genius with a craving, with musical philia, with a craving at the expense of his, ultimately his family. Uh, and he had to buy a, go out and buy a piano and, and compose music and play music for, for great periods of time during the day. Yeah, and that man was also a doctor too, wasn't he? He was an orthopedic surgeon, maybe. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. And he talks about part of the therapeutic reasons. And th this is sort of a profound thing. He talks about the sense of disembodiment. That, that people that are that have a variety of kinds of trauma or or just are disturbed, and especially aged people, people that are getting older, since they're they're not really they they they're not connected, they have a sense of disembodiment, mm -hmm. and that and what gives you a sense of being embodied that that's the basic human experience is that you're embodied and you have uh, you know you're operating in the world, and you have um, you know you're causing things and things are having an effect on you and when somebody has makes a connection with music it revives that sense of embodiment and oh. he, and again he's uh oliver Sachs, being a physician is uh involved in many therapeutic situations and that's what he sees as a um one of the one of the important aspects of of a person becoming improving to this so that they can take part in their own care and, and, and maybe um, get well, get better, or maybe get well through a process of, of, you know, making steps, small steps, and then big steps. And, but it, but always going back to that sense of um, a sense of embodiment that the participation in, you know, music, drum circles, and then we just sort of covered the whole thing there. So it, in that, I I wanted I do want to read one thing though one fun thing out of the uh, music Ophelia book here, okay. Um, because he also talks about earworms. Okay. And you know what an earworm is kind of something that gets stuck in your head a little bit, and was good the first time, but was not maybe good the 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 fiftieth time. Yeah. And so that's that's what the earworm is, and. Mark Twain, one of the things that he shares in this book is talks a lot about earworms in this one chapter. And he shares this uh, story that Mark Twain wrote about with earworms. Oh. 
and uh, just to, yeah, to put a little history on the, and the story is called Punch Brothers Punch. And there's a band called Punch Brothers and they're excellent musicians, you know, way above anything I could ever hope to accomplish. It's a, it's a hilarious story. This guy, he, uh, he can't get this song out of his head. It's this jingling rhyme. He went to bed, he rolled, he tossed, he turned, and it jingled all night long. And then two days later, he meets an old friend, a pastor, and he, he inadvertently infects this pastor with the jingle. And the pastor, in turn, inadvertently infects his entire congregation. <laughs> Passing on the joy. <laughs> <laughs> The World in Six Songs. I, w- I actually want to read this one. You've inspired me. And this one is by Daniel Levitin. Indeed it is. Okay. And um, this, one more time, the thread, one of the threads is how the musical brain created human nature with evolutional theor- theoretical overtones. Is there a set of functions that music performs in human relations? And the six songs, I mean, he, so he, he goes on and he has six types of songs. There's, he, he mentions many, many songs in the book. And uh, he's more of a, uh, a jazz musician. I think he plays the saxophone. And um, so he comes at things from more of a, appreciation of just being involved in music, enjoying music himself, being a musician, um, and at the same time studying neuroscience. Um, So he's got the six songs, and the six types of songs are friendship, joy, comfort, knowledge, religion, love, or lust songs. They're not as significantly distinguished, but there's sort of a framework for him to talk about the influences that music and songs uh, have on development and human experience and activities um, from 40,000 years ago when they discovered the first flute was um, being used or that's the first one, the the oldest one that they've discovered so far. And he says, has an interesting definition, song is a broad category that includes anything we might sing or any collection of sounds that resemble such a thing. So friendships, songs of music about friendships, of course there's drums. Again, the, the earlier definition, the definition, which was, you know, in, involved rhythm, um, drums talk. And then, yeah, yeah. And now, and, and now we've gone into uh, the blurring of the lines because what music does in the environment is create a vibration. And it's actually experienced by more than just your ear, your whole body feels vibrations. And I think that this, uh, somewhere it's made the point, and I might be amused, the musical brain, that when I talk to you, I'm actually, I'm touching you. Because, you know, my voice is going into your ear and it's, it's hard to know where useful definition of that sort of thing begins and where it stops because, 
then it turns into chemistry and you know the physiology and then it turns into chemistry and then it comes back out again as motion in the world perhaps with dance or drum when you're drumming with somebody this it's a cycle back and forth in and out and the influence and the creativity that can be involved in even the most basic dance steps even at the even even at the youngest age when 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 people can hear in the womb it's this cycle that begins and it's, you know, it's just thought to influence the brain in real positive ways, opportunities for growth in many different directions and all the system of, that the human experience has. So the world in six songs is really a window into that in, in, in a lot of thinking and a lot of good dialogue about uh, those kind of concepts. If you are just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson, and today I'm talking with Alec McMurrin about music and the brain. Back to our conversation, we were talking about the world in six songs. You were talking about a revolution in four-part harmony? Yes, that movie, the Netflix movie. Um, so, so that fits right into the idea that there are six types of songs that influence that would be a particular kind of experience and a, and, and a kind of a singing that that he talks a lot about and Bobby McFerrin talks a lot about too. Yeah. The title of the movie is A Mandala. Revolution in four-part harmony and it's about um, the role that music played in apartheid in South Africa. And um, it was, it was really fascinating. And one of the parts that really stuck with me was this um, people were uh, protesting apartheid and there was this um, thousands of people gathered and they were singing and um, they were jumping up and down in, in this, in this song. And they had interviewed the police and riot police that were there that day and and they were talking about how nobody was shot that day but it was so intense and the people that were the police were terrified of the crowd and um and it was it was just kind of that coming together and and it really um that incident really changed kind of the whole path of that revolution and it, and it was community of song and dance. It was really powerful. Synchronized activity. Yeah. With thousands of people at the same time, all crowded together. Emotional, motivational. Yes. Honesty. And they cover that in the next one that we wanted to talk. The next one we wanted to talk about was a movie by PBS, um, The Musical Brain. And this is the one, it has Daniel Levitin and Sting in it. And, and Michael it, Buble. Yeah. And it actually, they, they put Sting in an MRI and and have him listening to music and playing music while he's in the MRI to show the different parts of the brain 
and studying it. Yeah. And they make the point that uh, the more you move with music, so they're, they're, they're teasing out a lot of ideas and associations when they're, when they're looking at what kind of activity is going on in his brain while he does a variety of uh, compositional challenges. Yes. And, of course, Sting is um, all about creating a, a great experience for his audience and himself. And, and they associate, they also associate motion with music. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they put him in that tube and, and, uh, and his brain starts lighting up in different places. And, and he's certainly a genius for, you know. he talked about his appreciation of, of, of learning his appreciation of sameness. In other words, there's predictability. And then there's surprise in music. And those are two themes that also from different sources thread through this material from before childbirth right up to, to Sting and, and Michael Bublé and Theolonius Monk and the piano player Baron Boyne. <laughs> I can't ever say that guy's name. But anyway, so who's an old guy? But yeah, he's he he talks about how parts of your brain are uh, really like to be familiar with things, which I like things that are from to, that I'm familiar with. You know, to do things kind of over and over again, repetition, or you're comfortable with things that. Are, but then they that. said we needed that surprise too to keep you engaged. Yeah, and then the people also in, enjoy and are challenged by the learning that that uh, new material presents, and the surprise is is thought to be pleasurable for infants. It's a it's a part of learning, right along with the dopamine that comes with something familiar, something learning. There's also a there's also a learning enjoyment of learning. Infants remember and seem to enjoy decoding the mysteries of melody, rhythm, and pitch. Illustrated the interaction of what you know, how you've learned to learn. I was just reading some stuff on early childhood development, and it was saying until six months of age, children, they're wired for all language. And after six months of age, they start to only pull out the the sounds that are associated with their primary language and they start to wire those ones in I thought that was fascinating because they were also talking about song and how when we sing to children it slows down the words and separates them into syllables which helps children learn how to read when it comes to decoding it's like wiring their brains for the process of decoding, which is reading. It is fascinating. If you speak more than one language, those sounds are different in the different languages. And um, if you speak more than one language and you're speaking it to the child or singing to the child in a different language, it they build those neurons to the other languages at that early age, which is so important. It is. It's an early development that seems to set the stage for increased ease of learning. They played music to a variety of music, of styles of music, to children in the womb at one point. And they found that 
later on, six months later, that they were more comfortable with the music that had been that they had heard in the womb. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of babies in these movies. And some of them, they have these little hats that are just all sensors. Yeah. A thousand wires. And the baby's smiling and grooving. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's always fun to watch the babies in the movies. So the, the next movie we had is also a PBS movie. And it's called The Music Instinct, Science and Song. And this one was with Bobby McFerrin. And this one was really intense, this movie. It was, um, you had to be paying attention. There was a lot of science in it. But they also had the flute that was 40,000 years old. The physics of sound and biology. Music. Collection of sounds that moves us. And they talk about how it touches us. Both physically and then emotionally, chemically. And it just feels really good. And Bobby McFerrin, um, the genius of a special kind, for sure, he t- talks about how a lot of music is based on the rhythm of your heart. I mean, that idea itself is sort of a powerful idea. It's he talks about the healing and it and it and it, learning to learn again. And he talks about um, why is there music? What's the benefit? Why do you feel good? And and feeling good is a uh, directs you in a, in a right direction and puts you in a homeostasis, kind of a balanced place that you're looking for. It can, as the experience of music moves on through song, through a material, there are places in music where, um, on the musical trip that you're on, that it takes you on, where there's rest and relaxation and satisfaction. So, and that's a, that's a place where it's, healing takes place. And they talk about the vibrations that they discover in the universe, which is, you know, it seems like they, they kind of reaching and it may be far-fetched, but at one point they did say that uh, slowed way down, that B flat was the, uh, was the, was the vibration of a black hole. <laughs> so Many, many, many octaves below what yeah. the can hear. Yeah. Blump, blump. But, I, but there they, was also, and maybe it was in the other movie too, but the woman who was deaf, who was a musician, but she said that she experienced sound as a feeling in her muscles. Her feet? Yeah. Yeah. She played uh, xylophone, marimba, um, and other sort of percussion instruments. That's what, she, what it depicted anyway that's what she was playing and her experience was was a full body experience yeah then we're back to the idea that when you're when you're making music or where you're talking to somebody um or singing to somebody that there's a there's a sensation in some sense that you're making contact with them yeah and i like that i think that well, that brings it full circle, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So I also wanted to mention that at the library, we have right now, we have five ukuleles that people can check out. They come with a little booklet for beginners. 
And there's also, they're linked to the lessons online, which are fabulous. Anyway, you can check those out at the library. Uh, They're not just for children, they're for everybody. And there's six songs that come with these beginning lessons. It's the first one. The first lesson is Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. Well, we can't let this end without mentioning Matt Linhart, I don't think. No. Or Dan Sullivan. Well, that's my intention is to draw attention to the opportunities and, and, and what great appreciation I have for those music programs. Yeah. And there's lots of great music teachers around town, too. Well said. Well, what a lot of fun that these, this material presents. It's real academic egghead stuff included in, in every one of these. And then, but each of them are full of anecdotes and things to think about as far important, important to me anyway, uh, to, um, to help understand what the motivation might be to, and sort of for me to help direct my activities in, 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 in ways that I can understand and, uh, have some value, I think. Yeah. I think that definitely it's, from what I've learned from talking to you and and exploring this material is that music's much more important to the human experience than we maybe let on (laughs) or as it's prioritized in our society, I guess is what I want to say. There's more to it than the advertising of potato chips. Yes. Well said. Thank you for joining me today for this. This has been Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Thank you to KFSK and the Friends of Petersburg Libraries for making today's show possible.